guess. Hello world, huh? <laughs> oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Light the candle! What? Well, I thought Poulter was number two in the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> Expect anything different? All possible, Garrett. Yes, it is, Frank. Yes, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> how about the rise smile on Tiger's face? Yeah. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Sunday Red. Thank you all for listening and subscribing. We have an amazing episode lined up for you here today. We're going to recap the Honda Classic, Sun JM's big win, Mackenzie Hughes' big week, so much more. Fan favorite segments, including what is your handicap, beach chicken of the week, our wrench talk segment, plus Jack breaks down holes four, five, and six at Augusta. Look forward to that, everyone. And then our much anticipated picks of the week, which we are changing up slightly. But thank you all for listening. And before we jump into today's episode here, I want to share with you all today's review of the day comes from R. Shandrick. He says, great pod, love the segments, and I love the different views than mainstream broadcasts. Great focus on course breakdown too, adding a lot of perspective, which you might not get unless you watch the Golf Channel 10 hours a day. What's the Handicap is a gem of a segment and can't wait for more as we get closer to the Masters. Go Tiger. R. Shandrick, man, thank you so much for leaving that review. If you want to be featured here on Review of the Day at Sunday Red, all you got to do is go to iTunes, everyone, and leave a review. We thank you all so much for the support. And without further ado, let's jump in to today's podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Sunday Red. Uh, Jack is actually in-house with me here today. So we got someone in studio. We're just missing Kari. Kari's uh, pretty much across the province here. but I'm truly jealous. I'm you truly are. jealous. What's uh, happening, folks? Um, how much, man? What are you saying? You know what? Just uh, thinking about our intros or whatever, I always, like, I mean, last week I did the Jim Nance thing, and I was actually kind of curious how, like, Hello Friends originated. Um, so I, I looked it up, and there's an interview of Jim Nance telling people why he does the Hello Friends. And I thought I'd share it with you guys quickly. Um, in 2002, the PGA Championship, his... Uh, his old man was uh, suffer- uh, j- just got recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he couldn't remember Jim very well, which is ext- it's a disease that's extremely unfortunate. It's uh, it's uh, not a good thing to go through as a family or like especially if it's your dad. And he met him in Florida before the week of the PGA Championship and he's like, you know what, dad, I'm going to say something on air so you can remember and try and reflect so I could connect with you at that moment. So that Saturday at the PGA Championship, Jim Nance came, looked at the camera to introduce, and he said, hello, friend. So he had that connection with his dad. And I guess the producer on Sunday said, like, hey, what was that? That was a little bit different. You haven't done that before. He explained the story to the producer, and the producer's like, you know what? I like that. I think you should go and open with it tomorrow. And he did, and the rest was history. So that was his connection with his dad. Well, his dad battled that disease, and I thought that was pretty cool. Super cool. Yeah, so a couple things. Obviously, uh, I want to say a few things here. I know I'm not a great starter to the podcast. Uh, The the intro, I struggle with it. (laughs) But what I wanted to say is I got to apologize to the listeners for a couple things. Last week, I think I I didn't quite have it. This week, I'm going to be bringing the heat, though. I I think I, I'm ready to go this week. Last week, I was, you know, didn't have it. The other thing is, man, am I wrong a lot. I've listened <laughs> to all the podcasts now. Boy, am I wrong. I got I to gotta sharpen up for the, for the listeners here. But this week, 
Love to say I was right last week about Westy. That was my hot take for the year so far. My boy Westy coming coming into the top ten there. I think he finished T five. I called it, baby. Giver, whatever you lack on your intros are like little clip at the beginning with like the Sunday, uh, the Sunday red intro with like the tiger sound bites makes up for everything. You know what I mean? It fires me up every <laughs> single time. <laughs> the, the picks, the picks, I will say, were not strong. Uh, Jack did a great job. I did pick Fleetwood, so I'm just going to ride, I mean, third place. Another top five for me, pretty standard. But uh, we're not going to talk about the other guys at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, boys, uh, Honda Classic, Bear Trap, unbelievable tournament. Uh, really exciting what happened with M gets his first win M's a, a really interesting guy. Hughes, obviously Hughes. I'll just state it right now. Canadian of the week. Congratulations to Mackenzie Hughes. Really awesome the way he played that back nine and battled. Like I think you can see with certain guys, they kind of relish those moments where they're in it and they have a chance. And I feel like Hughes is one of those guys where when he gives himself a chance, he he has that little bit of a killer instinct to really go for it. So shout out to Hughes. But uh, I'll lead off with you guys. Like, what do you guys think of the event? Jack, I'll start with you. So, you know, I think obviously that's by far the toughest event yet this year. And I love to see it. We talk about, you know, we don't like to see when guys go and absolutely just roast a golf course. It's, it, you know, you like to see the, the courses have teeth. So th this one coming, bringing the heat, only 16 guys under par. So I thought that was awesome. Played very much like a, you know, my opinion, U.S. Open difficulty. And I like that. Um, obviously a very hard course, the bear trap. Yeah, it got a lot of guys this week. It was, you know, you watch that. Guys were dumping it in the water on 15 left, right, and center. But uh, I like, you know, it shows me how hard this course played is, is the notable MC Hammers. You had uh, Tricky Ricky, <laughs> Brooksy. Collins boy Hovland. Hey, he was he was just riding that momentum. Uh Ooze Hazen and, and our boy Brett's uh, buddy the Barn Rat. Kierdeck. Yeah. All these guys uh uh missing the cut. It shows you, you know, these are the best players in the world and they're going out there and obviously they're grinding by that course. If you get it off a little bit, you're a fraction off for the week, it's gonna expose you. And I I, I really like to see that. Yeah, um, we could talk with uh, Sungjae. I know we've brought him up a few times on this podcast, but uh, how cool is he on that golf course? Like that, I like that they call it a takeaway and not a backswing because he's like really placing that thing like mathematically. Um, he he strikes an unbelievable titles titleist player, so we we enjoy uh, his what's in the bag as well. But like, just watch him come down the stretch when he birdies fifteen and birdies seventeen. And sh shout out to Mackenzie Hughes; he's walking off the tee. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he's doing like the big balls, like yeah. <laughs> holding <laughs> between his knees. <laughs> like that's gotta be one of the coolest things I've seen between two players trying to close out a tournament together. Because uh, you know, I'll call a spade a spade. That shot takes some big old balls trying to hit a draw over that water. I would take a seven on that if I was in contention. Not a question. Not a question asked. <laughs> so I'll skip over Mackenzie Hughes because I feel like we'll be talking about him um, in, a, in a bit. But um, let's go just even with Fleetwood in contention. Hasn't won on the PGA Tour. It was talked about, um, I don't know, probably two dozen times in the four-hour window of coverage. Um, when he started birdie birdie, and I'm like, wow, this guy's on. He, he might run away with this this thing. I think he opened up a three-shot to the lead through his two holes. Ben On was making a little bit of a run as well. But 
he just got fractionally off with the driver. You know, and he, he wasn't missing big, but he was miss, missing in areas where he couldn't work the ball to back to the pins, and it, it and it wore on him throughout the round. And I I don't think he had his best stuff on the back nine. But even him birding seventeen with, to have a chance to birdie eighteen to force a playoff was pretty cool. Fleetwood, everything he does is pretty awesome. Uh, I do also want to mention one more thing. I laughed at in coverage. So I watched Brendan Steele play last year um, at the three M. I'm watching him on coverage. And it just absolutely kills me that he has Steely written on the back of his hat. Like, that is the <laughs> worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, Steely, come on. And then, like, I'm, like, thinking about it in my head. I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's written on the back of his hat. And then the announcers come on. He's like, oh, he's been staying with uh, Keegan Bradley, their best friends. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. So, yeah, I'm not surprised he has Steely written on the back of his hat. But we got a great champion. And it's going to be first of many for uh, Sung Jae yeah, I, I'd agree too, and, and uh, obviously we got to give a lot of love to Mackenzie Hughes. But the one thing I wanted to to, to throw in uh, and get your comments on this week, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed who was on the bag for Sanjayim this week. So is it is it arguably we have two Canadian of the weeks this week? Albin Choi on the bag for Sanjayim gets his first PGA Tour win, but carrying the six this week. Someone's uh, got to give context to the Albin Choi thing because we so both so Al- Albin Choi is an, uh, another Canadian professional golfer grew up uh, uh, playing obviously playing against the likes of Mackenzie Hughes and uh, obviously uh, roasted me and Colin a lot growing up too. But, I was a part uh, of those, just not the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so Albin Choi he, he plays on I think he's still playing on the Corn Ferry Tour, but a hell of a hell of a player himself. Uh, this week, I, I don't know how we got into it, but uh, I, I saw tweets of, of him at the Honda. I was like, I, I didn't think he had qualified. And uh, sh- sure enough, he, he's caddying for Sunjay M. And I thought that was pretty cool. But you, you look to Sunday, so you have Mackenzie Hughes and Sunjay M playing together. You got arguably one of Mackenzie Hughes' better better friends, Albin Choi. They, they played the Canadian National Development Team together, caddying for Sunjay M. Like Mackenzie and Sunjay are going head to head. And and then here, here's one of Mackenzie's best buddies, Albin, carrying the bags for for uh, arguably the enemy. And uh, I, I I watched a little bit of coverage, and I thought it was cool to see on on 17 when Mac dropped that. I think it was like 50 or 55 feet. Uh, wa- walking back to the back to the hole, Albin tosses him a little fist pound. I, th- I thought that was really cool to see. And but it, I just wanted your thoughts on the dynamic. Like how how does that make you guys feel? I, I didn't notice it till after the tournament. Even with the fist bump, I was actually looking up in the stands. I'm like, is Albin up in the stands? I didn't know he was on the bag. <laughs> my, my question to you guys is, as a player, okay, like obviously Albin, he looks at Mackenzie Hughes. He's not on the PGA Tour yet, but I would think that he kind of puts himself in that category of player as like a PGA Tour player. Would you would you guys be able to, as a player of that caliber, be able to, to caddy? For someone else on tour who you feel like you're going to compete against in a few years if i need to cash a quick check yes <laughs> that, that's <laughs> not a bad payday for albo there i'll uh, take 10 15 on 1.3 not a bad day usd for the canadian boys who would make we make 30 cents on the dollar there i think M uh got some consultation about his caddy through kuchar this week so i don't think he got paid as much <laughs> <laughs> but so here's the other thought. Now that that's Sanjay M's first win. That's his first win. Does does he ask Albo, hey, listen, let's you know you, you get on the bag next week too at the API? Like, does he keep running with it, or does he go back to his old caddy? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I don't think you get, uh, I mean, it depends on the dynamic, I guess. But if you have like a fill-in caddy for the week, I don't think they actually make the 10% because the 10% covers a lot of like the travel per week and the hotels and stuff like that. So I don't know the exact percentage. Um, one thing about Alvin Choi, I don't know him as well as you guys know him, but he comes from a pretty tragic past, right? His mom passed away when he was a little bit younger. So he has played all his golf um, uh, in the past with the, he hasn't had the smoothest route to the place that he is, but it was great to see him on the bag for Sungjae. I love that the, the moment of the tournament for me was when he, uh, for us Canadians too, he fist bumps uh, Mackenzie Hughes after dropping that 53 footer, like Jacko said, that was a special moment for me. And, um, also what was extremely impressive is that he was the translator at the end of the round. And like, I think it was Steve Sands that was asking him these questions and he's making them so long for a Sungjae. Um, and, Alvin Choi's there dissecting the conversation. That was a really, I bet you that's how they became friends on the corn ferry, right? I think they had that, that communicate, they, they were able to communicate with each other. And I'm assuming that's how they became uh, friends or got that connection. And I hope for Alvin Choi, this makes him hungry to drive, um, to get to that PGA tour level. Cause in my opinion, he was, he's right there. Um, he's right in the conversation with the Corey Connors, the Mackenzie Hughes and stuff like that. And, uh, I hope to see him out there one day. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing about uh, Sung Jae M, just before we move on, I, I messaged you guys on Friday, I think it was, right? Our group chat's been everywhere, man. I don't know. <laughs> I messaged you on Friday. So I got, I went to the simulator this week, hit some golf balls, trying to work on the game for the spring. And I got some very good insider information about Sung Jae M. And he is one of two players on the PGA Tour, including Tiger Woods, who most guys out there will say are two of the most impressive players to watch on the PGA tour, like ball striking wise, just the way he plays the game. The guy's got a lot of game. And one thing I love about him is he plays every week. Doesn't take weeks off. <laughs> like, what? 33 starts last time. year. Yeah. 33 starts last year. But like, even I, oh, sorry, I don't know that. I, I, that was a nice little tidbit of information, but like, when you watch the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup, in this case, we're talking about the President's Cup, of course, when a guy doesn't miss a shot on coverage of the President's Cup, you know that this guy's a different level because you see the worst and the best of players at the Ryder Cup and President's Cup because you're seeing way more shot way more shots per player, I guess. And if they're struggling, there's no hiding. Watching him on coverage in Australia was like it's like he's playing a video game out there. It's just like flagging it, flagging it, flagging it, flagging it, flagging it. And um I really root for him. I'm glad. Uh, I like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one more thing with, with Albin, too. I, I, I do want to see Albin you know, get on the PGA Tour, get a bunch of starts, because I'll tell you what, I've always said it. He has struck the ball like an absolute touring professional for a long, long time. I've I've had uh, you know shotgun seat watching him stripe it around you know, uh, a number of times. Uh, I got the better of him once in my career, but I'll tell Atta you what. Boy, I think Jackal. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm one for about 600 on that, but uh, I, I was on uh, the team with Alvin Cho. We won the uh, the provincial, or well, it was Team Ontario, and we took took down the provincial uh, championship when we were at the Canadian Junior. So it was uh, nice to get to get to know Alvin a little bit. But yeah, hell of so a player. I'd like, to, like to, pardon? Carried him on your back. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that, but he he strikes it like an absolute tour pro. And he has since we were about 12 years old. It's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead, I guess Cole. he is a tour pro too. Now he is. But back then he struck it like a tour pro. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was going to say one more thing about the event. I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, but Mackenzie Hughes went through it and Fleetwood on his last hole, the second shot, 
there's guys yelling in his backswing. Okay, I do have something to say about that. And I just don't understand what people are doing. Like, give the guys a chance to play. McKenzie had it on a putt, which completely threw him off. He missed the putt. And Fleetwood, arguably the biggest shot of the tournament for him. Some guy's yelling in his backswing, getting the whole, although it's encouragement, but, like, give the guy a chance. This is golf, not a rock concert. <laughs> to me, if you yell get in the hole at any point um, before or near contact, before there's a chance of the ball going in the hole, you're a dweeb, and you're trying to be cool in front of your buddies, and it's not working. I think that's so lame. But um, also with the Fleetwood thing, I think there was a little bit of an audio mix-up. Uh, mix up yes there was some idiot yelling at it near 18 green but i think they had that mic on and he yelled it and fleetwood and his caddy both didn't hear the get in the hole um so yes i do have a stance on people yelling i'm glad augusta national has done it right and said hey these this is the things you can't say or else you're you're going to be off the grounds and I just hope people realize that it's not even cool or funny. Like maybe when the it's a long putt, like let's say a 30-footer in the last five feet, you can yell it or whatever when it's tracking. Sure, I get that. I don't mind it. But to yell, uh, get in the hole on contact, like just stay at home and yell it at your TV. A, li- a little ripper magoo on a nice drive. I- I'll deal with that. Yeah, but that's <laughs> not yelling get in the hole. It's, it's a little right. bit different. There's a time and a place. Like, I actually really liked the light the candle when Tiger, like, striped that three one on 10. It was, like, kind of on his return in 2012. I want to say it was, like, even congressional or something. I think that's where it happened. And like that, I'm like, yeah, let's go here. We're ready. To, we're getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, yeah. There's a, there's a time and a place. And, like, some people do it right and some people don't. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, you guys are whispering in the background. That's okay. I'll continue yeah. on like the veteran I am at <laughs> podcasting because I have a mic now. Um, how, how crazy is that tweet from Patrick Sullivan? I'll just go to read it out quick and you guys within two seconds can comment on it because our first segment's already going a little bit long. Congrats, uh, congrats to Sungjae Im on the win. I played with him two years ago in Mexico. He told me he turned pro early to maximize his chances to, to win an Olympic medal as it's one of the only ways he'd be exempt from the military service. Talk about a goal most pros don't have. I think that is like, it gives you a different perspective. We have the North American perspective when we're from Canada or the the Americans. These guys are playing for a lot more as professional athletes from these different countries, and we can't quite relate to it. But that opens the door to say how important sports are to these people. And for him to really grind it out, we talked about the 33 starts last year. He's probably going to make over 25 this year because now he gets to play with the schedule a little bit. Um, He has different motivation. And when a guy has motivation like that to become the best he can be, um, sometimes that trumps talent on the USA side or the North American side. Yeah, I'd agree. Obviously, he's in, uh, you know, the, the, the those folks are in a bit of a different uh, circumstance. And I, I think another player with the same circumstances was Sang Moon Bay. And Sang Moon Bay, I believe, had he served in the military. He, like, right when in the middle of his prime, I think Sang Moon Bay, he'd won a couple events. And then he was MIA on tour because he was in the, the, the military for two years. He served his time and then was back on tour. And um, so it kind of broke up his career, especially when he was in, in like, arguably the the high point in the peak of his career absolutely but i i think one we got you know canadian of the week obviously mackenzie hughes i uh, give just give him a little bit more love uh obviously was having a bit of a, a tough year uh missed a few cuts to start the year here so hopefully this really turns around at the sunday red pod uh gonna give him a little a uh, little little bump here and get him rolling uh you know the second place finish helps the bank account out a little bit 
Um, and but yeah, no, it was, uh, I, the the thing I saw online was um, a picture of him and his son, and it was he, he asked his son if he was still proud of him, and it was just it was a really nice moment. But uh, no, congratulations, you know, Mackenzie Hughes, you're gonna you got more tournaments to win, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's work our way back up the rankings here for you, buddy. Well said. Well yeah. said. All right, Kari, uh, let's move into Beach Chicken of the Week this week. I feel like got a couple couple options, um, but I'm we're very intrigued as to uh, who is the actual Beach Chicken of the Week. The Beach Chicken of the Week is none other than Matt Every. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, Matt Every, second round, fifth hole. Um, if you looked at his scorecard, if you looked at the leaderboard, you wondered how he get, got so far down. Took an 11 on a par 3. He trumped our man, Ryan Palmer, by a long shot. But something was kind of unique about the 11. Um, it was a par 3, water in the front, kind of in the left side of the green. He literally hit the the exact same four shots pulled left into the water. Like, if you look at the Pro Tracer, there's not different shots. They're all, like... 10 yards left of the pin, 10 yards left of the pin, 10 yards left of the pin. He had his own tin cup moment, which was like <laughs> fantastic, fantastic to see. So uh, usually when you look at 11 on like a, the, uh, the pro track or whatever we want to call it, um, it looks a little bit different, but he did hit his fifth shot dead center of the green two putted and made his 11, which is great to see. Um, do you guys want to comment on the 11 first? Cause I have a little bit more on Matt every after, after this. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, the the eleven didn't. Uh, he just he obviously didn't have it that day. A smooth eighty five makes me feel real good about my game sometimes when I see see numbers like that. Poor guy finishes DFL, but is there? Th- there's no drop zone there. It's just he wasn't just, DFL. He was DFL. A guy withdrew. So. Okay, maybe sorry. Keep he going. Withdrew. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I, I thought there was a drop zone there, or is the, he? Am I there wrong? is. He was just super stubborn, or he yeah. could have just went up two tee boxes and like hit it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like at that point, once you hit one in the water, then okay, if you feel like you got the shot. But even if I can go drop it on a tee box 40, 50 yards closer, I'm gonna do that. If I can move from a you know five or a six iron down to a pitching wedge, you better believe where I'm going. Absolutely. I think he actually went back. I think at one point is like six shot was like one ninety four. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He takes his two driver lengths from the T. I need to maximize this five iron out. That I saw that call and I just had to. Like, I laughed at that. And um, do you have anything else to say, Cole, before I jump in? And okay, yeah, how about uh, so when I think of Matt Every, he's a bit of a unique guy on tour. He's like a little bit of a polarizing figure. Um, we, obviously, we don't know him, but. Uh, he is a little bit different. Um, do you guys remember his uh, weed interview with Kelly Tillman after the PGA Tour suspended him? You guys both don't remember that? Oh, okay, I think it was oh. two, uh, 2012. Um, he uh, he got in a little bit of trouble with the police. I think there's like a smell of marijuana coming from his room or something like that. And the PGA Tour suspended him for, for oh, I don't know why I want to say it was a 90-day suspension um, for that one. And his first event back, he fired like a 64 um, in the second round to take the lead, which is like great, like ultimate comeback story. And there's this really awkward interview that is out there. I I couldn't even find it to talk about that, but it did happen. And Kelly Tillman like eventually asked him about his suspension. And he's just like, well, to me, I don't, I don't think I did anything wrong. My friends are my friends and we do what we do on our spare time. He's like, listen, there's a lot worse things that go on inside the ropes on the PGA tour than me smoking a little bit of marijuana. And it was like, mic drop, like Kelly Tillman looks shocked. I thought that was like one of the coolest, coolest statements. Cause like, I mean, 
whatever. He has his stance. He doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. And I like that he didn't retract from it. He came out and faced the faced the media and made it public on his feelings. He also is just coming off a recent, I want to say, another three months suspension by the PGA Tour. And I want to say it's for the same thing. He he did have a suspension. I want to say it was, um, of course, I don't write write it down like an idiot. 2019, it was last year he got a suspension with the PGA Tour. So was it for good for Matt again? Pardon me? Was it for marijuana again? I believe so. That's ridiculous. Why is the PGA Tour suspending for that? It's legal in Canada. It's legal in a whole pile of states in the U.S. How can they How can they suspend someone? It's certainly pre- not uh, performance improving. No, that's why I appreciate his stance. Like, it's just like kind of having a beer now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, that's how I view it because it's, it's legal. Like, as long as you're not driving or operating heavy machinery, go, go for it. Yeah. Or maybe on the golf course, you're not allowed to have it. But I don't know. Don't smoke no, on I, camp. I, yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, you're not, you're not allowed to rip darts on the course either. But Oh, yeah, you are. You just can't. It can't be like they don't show you on camera if you're hacking a yeah, dart. Tins. Yeah, but like yeah. For, for them, yeah. like with to suspend him, that's ridiculous. Like it's legal. He should ask for those. He's been suspended for 90 days twice. He should ask for 180 days back on tour. Well, there's right. like a debate, right? Robert Garrett, same thing. Like, and then you have better, to like prove better that than it's these medical, guys but... prescription pills. Yeah, like exactly. Like PGA, get with the times. You heard it here first, or probably a hundredth time by now. But that's what happened. Shout out to any uh, any CBD company uh, looking for a little title sponsor for the golfers. Let us know. Yeah, under the tongue drops, <laughs> help with the joint pain. Like Phil, he was doing it at the Masters like two years ago. Was he? Yeah, or yeah, last year he's doing uh, CBD drops under his tongue. I or I think that's a good what feeling. It was. That was the gum tiger was chomping on the past little while too. That's what I mean. Time. There's got to be something going on, right? Like whatever. Who cares? Let it go. If it helps with joint pain and we get to watch Tiger for another five years, sign me up. (laughs) Absolutely. If Tiger does it, I'm sure it's all good. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, PGA, why aren't you suspending that guy? (laughs) There'd be a ride on the golf courses. PGA National would burn to the ground. Oh, my gosh. All right, moving on. Uh, We're going to do our fan write-in segment. Question of the day from a fan this week. I love these. Shout out. And if you want to send in your questions every week, whether it's a segment idea or question you have, our email is sundayredpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we hit one a week, so send them in and we'll do our best to, to hit it. But this week uh, is actually a little scenario we're going to throw at you. So it came in. Someone's wondering, okay, maybe you got a, you got a big match coming up today, whether it's at your home club or with a buddy play a match play or a money match you're stepping up on the first tee and you want to get the edge okay you want to get in this guy's head you want to be able to get the edge for the match what do you do what do you say whether it's at the beginning of the round middle of the round what are some things that you guys feel can can throw someone off their game a bit and give you the edge Oh, I wish you didn't put us on the spot with this because, like, midsummer, I'd probably be be able to think about a hunt about a hundred things to like. Yeah, you could say it a little bit. It's not over the line, but it's it's about in that gray area. Um, I've heard a couple good ones before, and I've actually used it just as a joke to see what guys say or whatever. But like on the first tee, you can like look at the guy and ask him. It's like, hey, do you breathe in or out when you're about to take your backswing? <laughs> <laughs> like people are like well i don't know and they like you see them address the club and they're like well I don't. <laughs> that, that's a good one that's <laughs> a real good one. and you know what the first time someone said it to me i'm like actually i don't know so i started thinking about that a little bit and i mean if you say it to a really good player they probably don't care and they'll probably stripe it anyway but if you say it to like a mid handicap they might be like start thinking about it a little bit right 
or uh um if i notice like someone does something weird with their bag or their tea or their ball i'll like comment on it so they're like thinking about it a little bit um i'll pass it off to give her for the first tea ones and i'll think about the mid-round ones as well um it it depends um if it's just like like you said a casual like a like say like a like a your you know inner club like kind of like just run on the mill like one of those handicap matches i'll show up uh in the first hole i always get there and if, if i know the guy and like say if he, he pulls out like an iron off the tee i'll make sure i'm hitting driver it doesn't matter like so at, at cherry hill number one's uh like a, a drivable an almost drivable par four it's like 330 340 and put every- it on last year, rolled in a feather on you guys to go one up i remember that <laughs> my partner right. so but uh, I'll, I'll get there, and if, if people got an iron, be like, oh, you came here to lay up today, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I but like I, I, I'm more of a guy on the greens. Um, the first hole, pretty much whatever match it is, I'm making them put the ball in the hole in the first hole. So it'll be... Like, that's a competitive thing to say. Like You can tell you've played some competitive golf if that's your answer. So I, I make sure they have to put the first hole, the ball goes to the bottom of the cup, and then I'll, I'll assess from there on out. If uh, they miss a dink in the first hole, we better believe number two, they're coming back, they're putting again. <laughs> Hits an iron in the first the tee, Gibber's like, layups are for basketball, pounds his driver, <laughs> Free thirty carry. I actually do something a little different than Gibber. So one of the techniques I have is I won't give a putt. Actually, sorry, I always give putts on like the first three, four holes. That's my style too. It, it could be like a five, six footer. I don't want them hitting a putt for like three, four holes. And then when they think that I'm going to give them a putt, I don't. And I feel like at hole five, they haven't hit one in a while. They're cold and they get tight. So that's my one. And the other one, you guys know I'm a head case when it comes to fiddling with my grip. So I go right at the other guy for fiddling with his grip. Now I got the grip problems again. (laughs) That's right. I'll comment on whether he's strong or or not strong with his grip. So that left hand, if you're a righty, if it's over or not, I'll be like, wow, you're you're pretty strong with that left hand. Do you feel like that helps you through impact? And then I just get them to start thinking of their grip a little bit. Maybe talk about, you know, ask them how much pressure they got on the golf club. Anything to get them off their game. But the putting one, I'm surprised Giver said that because I'm the opposite. I want to give them putts. And then when they don't expect it, they get a little two footer. I'll always uh, just to echo that too. If I'm playing against Colin, he gives me the putt. He's finishing it out. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Even if he's just, closer than you, <laughs> oh, all day long, just setting the tone. <laughs> yeah, and he's rolling. That's, in. that's I, why I've he does those two footers on the putting green. Like, oh, sorry, what was that? That's why he does those two footers on the putting green. He likes hearing the sound, so that's just letting him build his momentum. That's right. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've done it a few times. Or someone will give me one from like three or four feet. Just then they kind of look at you, right? Like kind of like, oh, good, good. <laughs> and they they give me mine. And be like, all right, what are you doing? Oh, you have to be friends with the person if he's giving you one outside. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll get you can get into the downhill uphill thing as long as you want. But also mid round, and I and I haven't played too many competitive matches for a while. And when I do, it's against uh, train and giver. Um, so they like. There's nothing I'm going to say to them that's going to rattle them. They like pound it by me. They hit it closer. They putt better than me. And so I just like, I'm just like a little fluff out there doing nothing. But I, I, if I, someone that I didn't know, I've, I 
have said it's like oh do you always dump it and try and time it with your hands like on your swing like after they hit a good one and then like people are trying to like get their body through it a little bit more and you start seeing some blocks i've i've seen that before i've said it maybe once on the golf course to a friend as we were like going around and it was like but that's that's my go-to i love it well there you go we're just helping out the crowd here so the next time you step up on that tee in a match you got the edge I probably have some really good ones that like mid like like I said we haven't we've been doing this podcast we haven't even played golf like once we get into the golf zone like these are just gonna be flowing like crazy. Yeah. My dad used to do the little hinge in the backswing. He said, "Have you always had that little pause in your backswing?" Through <laughs> just to throw get get someone thinking about their backswing a little bit. And they're like, "Why? I don't fucking have a pause in my backswing." You make it to the PGA Tour, you say it to Hideki. <laughs> <laughs> you always had that little hinge at the top. It looks like your hips are getting a little, a little misaligned. <laughs> He's actually taken away the pause a little bit. Have you guys noticed that? A little it's bit, not yeah. as prominent. It's still there, not as prominent. I think you should go back to the full pause. I think he played better with the pause. I agree. He's been playing some pretty good golf. Sneaky good golf. He hasn't won. But What's right, up we next got- year? Uh, we got to five weeks till the Masters. We started off last week, but Jack's going to take over and uh, holes... Four, five, and six is up. Jacko, take it over. Yeah, so a quick little, uh, you know, four, five, and six. Uh, we obviously went through one, two, three. Not the easiest of starting holes, but uh, a great start to Augusta. But four, five, and six. We'll call, let's call these the poisonous plants. Uh, you have two of the toughest holes on the golf course here. Great, uh, four and four and five, like ridiculously high. I think they're the three and five ratings. Uh, and you got two par threes in there, so. You know, the the par threes, if you're squeezing a little tight, uh, they can get away from you real quick. But, uh, okay, so number number four, flowering crab apple. Uh, nice. Quite the plan, I would imagine. Got to be, uh, you touch that, you're probably coming out with some strange rash. Sorry, Gibber, Simo is actually our gardener on the show, so you let him <laughs> talk about the plants and talk about the holes, buddy. So, okay, so so it's uh, number four is par three, 240 yards. So I think Zach Johnson has hit driver here before. Um, and then there's in, in the history of the Masters, there's only been one ace ever, and it's by Jeff Sluman in 1992. So this is one. Get your par and get the hell out of there. I like it. Um, when I'm thinking about four, I think about that big-ass trap sitting in front of the green. Uh, eats balls up, and like the guys that have to hit extremely long clubs into it. Um, you can hold the green if you hit it in the slope a little bit, but uh, sometimes when that pin's even in the front, super narrow. When it's in the back, it's hard to keep on. Uh, my most memorable shot on here is when like, Rory was in contention leading going into Sunday, and he like blasted. A, for some reason, he hit like five wood, and he hit it like 40 yards long of the green over five tee-off box and he's up against the fence and the, the camera angle showed like the weird angle that you never see there's a road right behind five tee it's so like uh i don't know it's just a weird thing to see like cars driving by as rory's trying to get it off the fence but um number four one of my favorite holes to watch uh live um during coverage yeah that that's one of the the, the closest holes to road i think at any other point in the golf course it's about 100 yards from any road apart from that one yeah, what do you, so you, what do you, can, you can no, notice my surprise when I see a car drive by on coverage. Like, I've never seen a road. It's just all trees at Augusta, right? It feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I was like, whoa, what the heck's going on? Why is it Honda Civic zipping by Rory? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is, like, a really good test for us to see, like, a leader. He's got maybe a one-shot lead in Sunday, and he steps up on that tee. If he hits a really good shot... 
to the fat of that green and gives himself a chance. I, I feel like he, he's he's in the right place. Um, if he doesn't, I feel like he's squeezing it the rest of the day a little bit, but that's just becoming. So, and, and the one other thing I'd like to say about this, I think Ben Hogan did it a couple times on this hole, depending on where the wind was. He laid up. You laid up on the par three, which he he did that at a, in a, a few different holes. But I think the sad was when he laid up, he got it up and down every time. So he, he thought he had a better chance of getting something out there to about like I think to that little front frame just hit something 180, 190 to that front and then hit a pitch shot on the green for about 50 yards and zip one in there. Cool. But, back. Uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. I was just I read that side. I can't remember where I read it, but uh, apparently he did it in a lot of different tracks. But next hole, hole five. This one is an absolute beast. It's par four, four ninety five, uphill dog leg left. So this this one, a lot of people on tour now move the ball, especially the righties from uh, from left to right. There, it's become you know the the cutters uh, are kind of taking over. But this one, you got to hit a screaming high draw. It's all about carry. You got to carry it as far as possible. And uh, there's bunkers on the left side that just absolutely torment people. So you you get in one of those bunkers that you need three fifteen to clear. So those bunkers swallow up a lot, a lot of drives. And, you know, when you get in one of them, you're looking at a long iron out of a trap. But uh, this hole is actually inspired by the road hole at St. Andrews, believe it or not. When I, I, when I read that, as, so I'm reading a book about the Masters too, and it goes hole by hole. But uh, when, when you actually go through the hole and, and then you compare them, the, the similarities are, are, are there. It's, it's crazy. It's uh, have a look at both holes, uh, pull them both up next to each other, and you'll see the similarities, especially when you get up close to the green. Yeah, this hole's changed a lot in the last, I think, year. This is one of the ones that Augusta made a change to that uh, they lengthened it out. Um, two things that stand out to me, Tiger bogeyed this all four days in 2019 Masters, still wins the tournament. Really cool. And like the last day he hit the green in regulation, I'm like, oh, he's finally going to part. Just three jingles his way home to a bogey. Uh, last year, also a really cool thing that uh, DJ said. I, I can't remember who he said it to, but his playing partner birdied the hole. And like as he's picking up, DJ walked by, he's like, Nice eagle. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. It just says how long the hole's playing and how tough it's playing. Uh, the guys hit in the, if you hit in those traps, you're taking five. It's almost the way it is. Um, but yeah, number five, another awesome stern test. Yeah. So uh, I'm just skipping Simo on this one. He's got nothing to say. Uh, he's, he does, actually, I forgot to say this hole is called Magnolia. So for, our, is it a botanist or our, our boy Simo? Talk about the flower, I guess. I That's know. the only so, word I know that it, it yeah. involves gardening. So we're going to go with it. This is an evergreen tree with five to eight inch long leathery oblong leaves, just so you guys know. And you drive by them on the way in. Okay. That's right. Magnolia Lane, baby. That's the most memorable drive in golf. Um, then, so you get to hole number six. Uh, so it's uh, hole number six, Juniper, uh, another par three, 180 yards. Um, and if you haven't been holding your breath, uh, if you can get here with two pars on four and five, thank God. Um, so this one is a little bit easier, you know, 180, but, uh, still a test. If, if you had, if you struggled on, on four and five and even three for that matter, you get to six, you're still squeezing it. And uh, the first ace uh, on this hole ever was my my long lost uncle Leland Gibson in 1954. Nice, another Gibson <laughs> making an ace. Weird. 
<laughs> hey, I'll talk about six quickly here. Um, pin positions uh, very important here. So when it gets uh, lower left, you can use and funnel it in. So we see lots of balls roll by close. I feel like if there's a shot on this golf course that Tiger's absolutely mastered, it's the tee shot at number six when the pin's front left. He just like he reads it like a putt almost. It's crazy. When it's back left, you're hitting it to like, you're trying to land it on a ping pong table back there. It's extremely difficult. So I do enjoy when the pins back right. Sorry, I might've said left there. Um, makes it a really stern test and it also makes it very tricky to either hit a pitch shot towards that pin or we see guys like four putt on that hole because they're, they can't judge that slope well or they fly it right by with uh, that big hill. It's also really cool that the guys hit it over the crowd. So if you go to the Masters, you could sit under the tee-off box because the elevation change. And uh, depending on the angle you see it at, they're hitting it over probably um, 500 people on the tee shot. I think that's a cool little thing that uh, that Augusta does. I think they've done it at a Ryder Cup before too. Love it. I, You know what? We actually saw this week Tiger didn't play, but he was out at Augusta practicing for the event i did not see that yeah nice go morgan i didn't yeah. know that. tiger yeah yeah i like that simo's been on tiger watch for me and I, I he's taking it, over man. the segment but uh <laughs> yeah it's the my meal. segment simo get the hell out of here the um no it's uh yeah for him to be able to that's awesome uh his plan all years let's peek at peek at the majors right um let's get four this year what else can i say about that that's our tiger talk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right, moving on. Fan favorite, most talked about segment. We're back at it. What is your handicap? Kari, take it over. <laughs> what is your handicap? that makes me laugh every time that makes me laugh too but you know what i unfortunately owe you guys the biggest apology so i listened to like the intro or sorry whatever the start of the segment on our podcast last week because i wanted to hear how the audio sounded i sounded like such a jackass because i was trying to figure out like the music and i was like oh it's i was trying to introduce it properly but sometimes when you're going in the podcast you don't have a second chance to say what you're actually thinking i was like oh it's my segment i'm going to introduce it the way i want i wish you guys would have stopped and be like shut the shut up kari like okay this is our segment you guys do a better job at it than i do i am so sorry that i came off like that so i owe, i owed you guys an apology for that and i hope you guys forgive me all right so we're heading into what's our handicap um, I'm not going to explain the segment. If anyone has any questions, they can go listen to the, the previous uh, segments. But um, I also um, didn't realize how many people would send in their own what's your handicap to me. Um, so there's a lot of these that, that aren't even original to me. I will throw my originals in there and you guys can probably guess which ones might be my originals. But lots of people like sending them in and... I have so many built up in the old inventory now that we can run this segment for years to come, which is great. The first one. Um, are you guys ready? We're ready. You guys, you guys look ready. Okay. And now I want you guys, I'm going to draw a picture for you guys here. So like you get to the first tee, you're playing with a guy that you haven't played with before. He goes to tee up the ball and he like squats down on the ground. And like, it's almost like he's building a little sandcastle. He like, 
gets on all fours and like puts his tee in the ground first and then like gently like puts his ball on and he's like like I said he's squatting to tee up the golf ball immediately what comes to your mind like this guy is going to shoot x amount of number or what's his handicap he's going to run out of balls that day (laughs) (laughs) he he won't finish I don't know if he's ever finished a route he hasn't put a score in the system but he's going to tell you he's at 12 okay I like that I like how you approached it at a different angle Simo, I think he's teeing up a range ball. First of all, hey, that's a future. Uh, what's your handicap possible? <laughs> possibility? Teed up a range ball. He plays a wicked slice. Like <laughs> no this thing, about. he's aiming so far left as a righty, <laughs> and his handicap ah, okay. is uh, sixteen and up. And he also gets to the first tee, and he tells you, "Oh, don't no, the range ball is only burning for the first hole." <laughs> I, I I like sixty. I don't even know if you gave a handicap giver. I think he said something in there. Mine was. I, I said I said he doesn't have one. He's never finished a round of golf in his life because he runs out of golf balls. And he says he's at twelve. Okay, I I have a my book twenty two. I have a somewhat close friend that does this, and I don't play with him very much. But like it's like a mutual friend, and we'll go out there and tip it up sometimes. He squats to tee up his ball, and I can't. And I, you think I've just say it on the first like two holes or something? I all eighteen holes, I'm saying, man, you can't tee up your ball like that, and he just forgets over and over again. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he's just down. He's using the like the ball as like a hammer to the hammer that peg in. <laughs> it's it's brutal. Like I said, it looks like they're building a sandcastle with their three year old kid. Like it's it's bad. Um, <laughs> next one, you guys ready? Yep. Okay, this is a little bit of a different one. Looks at the grain on the greens or the lake while reading a putt. The lake or the lake. Or like the, where the lake where is, the or, lake the is or where water is. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm gonna go with. Ooh, I got two different ones on this one. You're okay. a scratch. Okay. Or you're an 18 that has scratch friends. Okay, I like that. Or watches the Golf Channel because they mention it in the the Kukuya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, my original thought was actually like a plus two. I think this is a player. I think a player, if you're checking out the grain, you look where the water is, I mean, maybe you're, it's your home course, you understand what's going on. I, I think this guy's a player. Okay. I, it could be a project for you on that one because I'm not a plus two and I definitely look at the grain or where the water would flow on every single putt. I think it's impo- It's a very important thing, especially if you're playing like by big bodies of water. Um, oh, you have friends that are plus twos. I do. I'm looking at two of them. <laughs> um, but... Um, it's very important. We have a golf course giver. You played it with us, uh, Lutzen national, uh, superior national, sorry. In, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, sorry, uh, Northern part of Minnesota, unbelievable golf course. You can have a left to righter if Lake superior, cause there's a mountain on one side, water on the other. You can have a left to righter. If the, if the wa- water is on the left side, it will break to the left. It is that severe. And it's yes, very important. People can lose their minds going out there and trying to putt. Um, I don't like that Simo just left the room, but that's okay. I'll live with it. Um, how do you feel about that, Gibber? You think you think it's important? I would say anywhere for, or sorry, how do I want to say this? Under four handicaps. So if they don't read the green into their putts, I'd say they're five and up. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. When, when you're when you're looking at, yeah, you know, the grain and where, you know, where water runs or, uh, it's it's very important, especially t- two local golf courses where we, like obviously Cherry Hill, where where I play, is very very prevalent. Uh, where train plays at Lookout, you have to know where the escarpment is. A hundred percent. And it just, what a it, golf course. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's it's very important. But it's 
you know, it, I, I'd say, yeah, you got, I'd say your people going out there, you know, Brett, Brett called us out this on this the other day, but when we talk about handicap, I, I'd say someone who's shooting under four over par average per round, Brett's going to cringe when he hears that. But, oh, uh, it, you know, if you're breaking 80 on a consistent basis, you're, you're typically, you're looking at those things and you, you understand what they mean. You know, yeah. some people may not understand the implications of it or, you know, they'll do it and like, they think it's super, super drastic, right? It's because a lot of it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, obviously that, that's good. In- Give her that's enough for yeah. that segment. Let's just keep rolling here. <laughs> Holy man, what a rant. I'm actually going to change off the rails. I'm going to change up, uh, change up the order here a little bit, but, um, I like this one does not take off their glove between shots. Ooh. Little Jack Nicholas. Yes. Action. I was just going to say that Jack Nicholas didn't take it off. Did he not um, take it off or did he just putt with it on? No, he had it on. He had it on from hole one and did not take it off till after hole eighteen. Come to think about it, like, um, yeah, sorry, I do remember videos of him walking up the fairway with his glove on. So yeah, uh, give me a handicap, guys. I'll jump in here first. I think, uh, I think a ten and up. I think it's still very rare to see, even though the great Jack Nicholas did it. Ten and up is where I'm at with it, and uh, typically someone, maybe a lazy friend. Maybe a lazy friend who just doesn't want to take it off. That's who I got. I have so many lazy friends. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'd say for me the, I I'd say I'd say bogey golfer. I'd say eighteen. Cool. 18. Um, I think it's age dependent because if you grew up watching True. like the eighty of Jack Nicholas, I'd say like it could be any sort of handicap. But right now in the modern era, I think if you're twelve and up, um, and or you're a 12 and up if you don't take off your glove between any shots you can also point these people out because usually one of their hands is like pitch white or uh, it's a lot lighter than their other one let's say um and i think that's ridiculous i think if you have any chances take take the glove off let that let that hand breathe it's also my biggest pet peeve in golf and i see it over and over again now that i'm playing with buddies that are trying to get into the game which is great they hit a shot it's like fat there's like just mud on their ball we're playing at like a muni track it's so wet they there's dirt on their club and they use their glove hand to wipe the dirt off. It's like a brand new glove and they just smear the mud all over it. Like, what are you doing, man? And then there's like mud on their grips and they're wondering why their grips get slippery. Like, Oh, it drives me nuts. And and I, I hope I never see that again. I, I also think Rick, it's the, the same handicap as someone who you get to the fourth hole and they ask you if you got a spare glove. <laughs> if someone asked me if I had a spare glove, like, cause like, Gloves are very specific to hand size. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably skip a couple holes ahead. That would drive me. <laughs> that would drive me nuts. Especially if uh, it's a guy who's just hand deep in a bag of sour cream and onion chips. <laughs> yeah, I see. see he's all greasy hands. He's like, <laughs> he make sure he gets a thing of beef jerky when the cart girl comes around. <laughs> like, oh, just like, how do you like? Gloves are kind of expensive if you're playing a lot of golf. I can't believe people don't treat them a little bit better. But eh, let's move on here. That's that's awesome. This one was uh, one of our listeners submitted this one. His name's uh, Mackenzie Tout. You guys actually might know the name very well. Really good amateur player in Ontario. Um, he he spent a little bit of time in Thunder Bay, and I think he's moved back home now. But he listens. He always gives me great feedback, and he helped me with the mic purchase. So thank you, uh, Touter. He's in our fantasy, and he hasn't won yet. I don't think I, I I'll put that out there. But this one is actually pretty funny. The guy's in golf get out, like dressed like a golfer, but he doesn't have a belt on and his shirt stuff. <laughs> this is my single biggest pet peeve. So 
I, I play with a group of guys every Saturday. Uh, well, I used to up like uh, the Bridgewater boys, and every Saturday I would say the same thing to Reader. I'd say, Reader, let me know when you wake up in the morning. If you don't put a belt on, I will bring you one, or I will go in the pro shop. You can pick whatever belt out you want. Keep it in your golf bag, and if you're playing with me, put a belt on. You look silly. It's brutal. If your shorts or your pants have belt loops on them, they are made to have a belt on at all times. So I'm going to say it's funny. He's actually a decent enough golfer. I'd say he's a 10. Um, But I would say say 12 and up or people who just have no, no sense of style. Okay. Uh, you, no, tough. Giver, you said it. it's got to be quick. It's we got to roll through this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going ten and up, and I say the only way it's okay to not wear a belt is if you decide to throw on a white belt instead. Oh, we'll have a white belt discussion one of these days. So how about that? Uh, we'll we'll save that one for the future. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was a victim for me of white belt for me on this one. I said a fifteen or up. Except if you're a lawyer, because I feel like they just don't give a shit how they dress, and they just go out there like slobs. And some of them, some of them are good golfers. So um, that was a little bit of a unique one. Okay, last one of the day. This one's always my favorite, and I have no idea how you guys feel about this, but it'll spur some good discussion. Calls a scramble best ball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, it happens way too often. And I bet you, eighty percent of our listeners right now, maybe maybe eighty eighty to ninety, are like. Aren't they the same thing? Yeah, I, I'd say I, I, I might say even higher than that. 95% of people don't know the difference between a best ball and a scramble. Um, but then I, I find there's a lot of people that also, for the sake of argument, just call a scramble a best ball so they don't have to just talk about the difference every time. I've I almost lost that point in my life, which is sad. Yeah, I would say I'm going to go eight and up. Okay. Just it, It's gotten to be very, very common now. Yeah, Simo, it's super, Simo, super give him, common. Sim, give him some context, and within thirty words or less, say what the difference between scramble and better ball is. Because okay, better. Sorry, people call better ball best ball, which is actually better ball, and scramble is completely different. Just to let everyone know. Go ahead, Simo. Hey, scramble is you got four buddies. You all take, you all hit a drive, and you go to that best drive, and you all hit from that shot again, and then you go to the green and you take the closest one, and you all hit from that shot again. Better ball is you all tee off. You all actually play your own ball throughout the hole, and you take the best score out of the one, two, three, four guys you got playing. Perfect explanation. What's the handicap? I'm going to go a little lower. I might say even five and up. Like I, There's some good golfers that consistently say we're playing, and it's usually like scramble events, and they're like, oh, we're playing better ball today. I'm like, oh, really? And then I look <laughs> at this. Look at it all out there. Yeah. You finish my like putts. nine hours. Like, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I'd say a decent golfer, five and up, I feel. I said two and up, and it all depends on who you're talking to. Because like I said, I've gone on the other side of the fence when I just I just assume, and like 100% of the time, I'm bang on accurate that the person doesn't know the difference. So I just say what I say and just let it ride and never have that conversation again. But that wraps it up for the segment. Thanks, boys. Can I, can I throw one in here for you, too? I want, I want your opinion and your opinion only on this one. Uh-oh. You go yeah. to play with a bunch of bunch of buddies, and there's one buddy on the tee that says, "Hey, boys, want to play scramble today?" Like they're actually talking about a real scramble, and they just want to play from the middle of the fairway each time. Yeah, 
what's their handicap they don't uh, i'm going to go with the they don't have one kind of option because they've their whole life they've lived off playing the best scramble score they've ever played and uh you can't put a scramble score in the computer so uh that that is painful thank thank goodness i have a lot of my friends they want to play their own ball and they want to like score properly which is great I will say if you're going out, you got a few wobbly pops in you. You're with some buddies who aren't the greatest golfers. Playing a little scramble match if you got two good players and two not so good players is a great way to keep the pace up in your round and just a fun way to do it on a weekend. A hundred percent. Like I was just about to say the format, depending if you're just a foursome playing four man scramble like against no one and no like you know what i mean yeah, just, you can go it, that, yeah that just doesn't work that way unfortunately 2v2 um and with the right the correct setup or if you guys play better ball and like you've played better ball for the last year and like for some reason you're at a, a golf resort playing this the same course for the second time of the day yeah throw a little scramble game together throw a couple bucks on it off you go i agree but that's hilarious. Light, lightning quick question here. Uh, talking about scrambles. Outside of Tiger, if you could pick one scramble partner to play with on the PGA Tour, who would it be? You guys got 10 seconds to decide. Dustin Johnson. That is weird. I would go like with like some crafty vet that just like you know can go low. You know what? I'll go with Ryan Palmer. He does well in the Zurich, right, with his partner there. I'll take Ryan, except he's played with Jordan Spieth. Um, I'll take him and our, our walk-up song. Let me, let me just like quickly, cause like the Zurich, you, when you have a partner, you have to pick up a walk-up song and, uh, mine right now would probably be, I'm not big into the hip hop game right now, but like life is good featuring Drake by future. That's what my, me and Ryan Palmer would walk up to that right now. <laughs> Give her what's like your it. walk-up song with, uh, whoever you picked. Oh, my Jay. walk-up song. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go. I gotta go foreigner. Okay, uh, sure. Jukebox hero, baby. I, you know what? It tells a good story and it fires you up a little bit, right? Absolutely. I don't know if DJ would like it. <laughs> no. So I, I reason I picked DJ scramble the most important thing. Driving the ball, hit it a mile. You guys I like how I putt. We complement each other. Pardon? You play like DJ. Yeah, but he's 34. He passed me. You he doesn't lose this. nearly as many balls as I do. He's not 30 or 40 past you. If you're playing in Florida, you'd be fine. Yeah. Okay, I Simo. went I went crafty bets. I went Bernard Longer. <laughs> yeah, but if you play anything over 6,800 yards, you'd be, you'd That's be all right. fine on that. Usually piece. scrambler events are a little shorter. I'm taking Bernard out there with his long putter crap. And we're going up to Thunderstruck on the first tee. That guy's oh, yeah. just jamming. That mullet <laughs> shouts Thunderstruck. It really does. And And... I couldn't watch him putt though, because like that broomstick, I just don't approve of it. But <laughs> seeing Bernard Longer, his mullet like bouncing towards the tee off box to Thunderstruck, sign me up. I'm watching that. that, that and shout out to stuff. shout out to Bernard Longer because he won again this week. Yeah, this guy that. is a legend. He, he might make the cut at the Masters this year. Oh, wow. what do you mean? He might. He might. Yeah, I think he will. Like he I might would be get... in the top twenty. Yeah. <laughs> he might win. Him and Freddie Couples top twenties. Oh. oh, I, oh. I would love to see Freddie get a dub. Oh, we would. All right, uh, let's move into next talk. Uh, Kari, wrench talk. What do we got this week? Wrench talk. And we we had a discussion amongst the three of us that we need to try and shorten this up for our listeners. That's a popular uh, thing we hear back. Um, we want to keep it just over an hour, especially when we get our interview starting going. So this week's uh, wrench talk, it actually... Uh, I got spurred by this idea by uh, a company letting go of Billy Horschel, or they agreed to 
depart and it's PXG. Um, very, uh, let's just say bipolar or polarizing, uh, company in golf right now. Um, it's, uh, is it Bob Parsons is the, the owner he's come out and made some very bold statements. Like, um, really what PXG is, is a company that, um, allowed their engineers an unlimited budget to build the best possible golf clubs they can. Um, I think it used to be ping engineers that switched over to PXG. Um, PXG as a whole on tour, their players haven't necessarily played extremely well since they've signed on. Like there, there's obviously guys that have played some good golf or whatever, but I think Billy Horschel was more of a threat when he was a ping guy and he, he won the FedEx cup with a ping. And when he switched to PXG, he struggled a little bit. My idea on the company is they make extremely good irons. I've hit their irons before and I couldn't believe the performance. They were great feeling, great sounding. The ball flight was fantastic. We're also looking at a price point, and I looked these up very quickly. Set of irons, three to wedge, 3,400 American. Driver, just under 600 American without upcharge on the shaft. Wedge, $650 per wedge. Putter, just north of $500. What do you guys feel about the, like, the, it's almost like the exotic race car of equipment. PXG, kind of homnas on the little expensive end too. Don't hate me if that's not 100% right, but I think they're a little bit more expensive. Um, what do you guys feel on these players switching to these brands? And uh, what do you think about the company as a whole? My take is, to be honest, I, I've never hit hit them. Uh, they want to go charge $650 for a wedge. They can smell it. Um, they're not going to, they're, they're not better than Vokey wedges. Like they, they, they can smell it. My thing is they're not doing anything good for the game of golf. If they're, they're coming in that price point and they're saying, only the rich can play this or, you know, words or like, you know, say the very select tour pros, which aren't even the best tour pros playing it. So I don't know what their deal is. If they're saying they, you know, they're paying these engineers on a very limited budget to put together the best technology, but they're coming out and charging $3,400 for a set of irons. No, thanks. The thing is that he's not trying to make money off the company. It's like a project for him. He wants to see how good they can build them. No, I, I get that. But like, I would say their woods, they're not up there for me. They're they're not even sniffing the territory of a tailor-made or a Titleist. Uh, the wedges, you're not a better wedge than a Vokey. I'm going to tell you that now. The high-toe tailor-made, I think, is better as well. And then the irons, okay, the irons, it, it's kind of like uh, Mira or Myra, as I like to say. I don't know how you want to say it, Ricks, but I would say, yeah, the irons, the irons are fantastic. That, you know, they, they do those really well. But $3,400, like, that, that's out of the price range for... 99.9% of golfers. Okay, like, so Jack feels negatively towards PXG. What about you, Simo? I also feel negatively towards PXG. <clears throat> um, I, I simply look to, I look at the best players in the world and what they play, and if PXG was better than everything else, like, you would see guys play PXG, and they don't. There's very rare guys. They don't have Billy Horschel there. Maybe it's a project for this owner, but I think that they are low in budget, uh, as much as maybe as a bunch of money, I don't think that they're have, have as big of a budget as maybe they say. Not a lot of guys are playing it. And uh, 600 bucks for a wedge, just going back to that, that's ridiculous. Cause that's the number think, that jumped out at me. I'm like, yeah, no it's like, who, who's playing that? I feel like that's a, that's a dentist in Hollywood who wants to look cool at the Madison Club. <laughs> um, <laughs> but shout out to him. Do what you want, man. Like you got it with the money. But uh, for a regular golfer, I think you know PXG is not something that I would I would recommend. I think they had Chucky three sticks too, and he they jumped away from him. They, they they've cycled through players, and uh, 
Um, it's just they haven't grasped that like PGA Tour um, player or group of players yet, and it's um, it it doesn't validate the company to the consumer that's trying to pay this much money for clubs. Yeah, my my thing too is. Um... <clears throat> They obviously don't have the money to be going paying massive club deals for these guys. Okay, that's fine. But this guy has this guy has the money. If he I know he to. does, but I'm sure he doesn't want to just be throwing dollars in the wind here. Mm-hmm. People who have money have money for a reason because they're really good at saving their money and 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 making good investments. He's not going to waste money on throwing on a club deal. Um, the thing that resonates with me is you have a player like Brooks Kepka, not on a club deal, not playing PXG. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's a lot of guys that are not on club deals now. It's like actually more popular now than it was like ten years ago. Um, guys want to do their own thing because it's like their tools. Like we talked about on tons of wrench talk. Um, I just, you know, what it was great to hear your side of things. Like I would probably play their irons if I got fit fit with them. Um, I think they're uh, upper echelon, but their woods haven't grabbed on wedges don't do it for me you see a lot of even the pxg players they'll play one of the wedges and have either like volky mill grind um different things in the bag that uh that uh doesn't complement the pxg set let's say i i also one more quick comment because i simo didn't reach his face towards the mic so i have something else to say uh, i noticed um justin rose is switched from the homna driver to the tailor-made driver i think in the last couple weeks or last week i just saw a picture of it i don't know if he's put it in a tournament play but his driving numbers have significantly gone down since switching to the homna brand i'm not saying they build a bad driver but maybe justin rose eyes suit uh suits the sim a little bit better or tailor-made products i should say um so he's gone back with it and um it might resurrect his game we'll see but it's it's really difficult for these companies to try and breach a market that's like that's so far advanced now. Like those top four or five companies, like they have a, they have the the top of that market gripped by the balls. Omna hasn't done any favors for uh, Rosie's game. He was number one in the world. Switched, I think, right after winning a major. Switches to Hamna, comes back, and he's he, uh, yeah, he hasn't been the same player since. I'd play their irons once again. The irons must be easy to build, right? <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right, boys, moving on. Uh, big tournament this week. One of the most popular. One of my favorite. I'm a little disappointed Tiger's not playing this week. Um, but Arnold Palmer, Invitational, Bay Hill. Uh, Going to leave it over to Jack here. Jack, what do you got? Yeah, so this is, uh, I, I think this is one of the the more iconic tournaments of the year, just for the sole fact it is Arnie's tournament. Uh, this is, you know, Arnold Palmer moved the needle and changed the game of golf pretty much like no other. He, he really helped drive the media attention and grow the game uh, back in his era. And, you know, Arnold Palmer did so many great things for the game. You know, Arnie's Army, uh, you know, just such a stand-up guy, uh, kind of salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, you know, Bay Hill is one of the three tracks that the, the late Arnold Palmer did own. Uh, I've had the pleasure of playing the other two, uh, Latrobe and Laurel Valley. Uh, two unbelievable golf courses, um, and you know I had the 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 distinct honor to meet Ar- Arnold Palmer uh, back when I was I think I was in you know grade seven or grade eight. I played the the member guest down at Latrobe, um, and I was I had the yeah the pleasure to to meet Arnold Palmer and uh, before even the, you know the the Arnold Palmer the the half icy half lemonade was really uh, uh, distributed and branded like it was. You know, we sat down, everyone had an Arnie in there. It was, uh, it was really cool, but Latrobe, uh, you know, obviously Bay Hill, fantastic track. Uh, but to touch on Latrobe, uh, a lot of people don't know about that golf course. It is 
unbelievable it is to this day. I'd say top two golf courses I've ever played in my entire life. Um, just mm-hmm. the way it, it's, you know, so it's old school track, you know, greens, uh, are, the greens run like bowling alleys are, they're so slick, but, uh, just everything about it, just so traditional. And it was, uh, actually the, the reason I already bought it was his dad was the greenskeeper. Um, so he bought the golf course where his dad grew up working and was the greenskeeper. And then Laurel Valley, a short, uh, you know, call it an hour and a half, uh, way down the road, down the I-90, uh, in Pennsylvania there, uh, another track, uh, just a unbelievable golf course. It, uh, you know, it's just superb. Everything about it is just world-class. Um, but yeah, the, the tracks, the, the one thing I really hoped it doesn't happen. So in, in Arnie's will, he left Latrobe uh, to his his grandson Sam Saunders. Uh, you know, obviously Sam Saunders, tour pro, uh, dabbled a bit on the PGA Tour. But I've heard rumblings that Sam doesn't want the golf course and may sell it. I really hope that doesn't happen because, from my standpoint, that Latrobe is a huge part of the Arnold Palmer legacy, and I'd hate to see that uh, go and be you know kind of uh, corporatized or, or, or such like that. But uh, let's, uh, Sammy, keep, keep it in the family. Uh, keep the tradition with Latrobe. And uh, the other the cool thing with Latrobe, the car pass, uh, he made them a bit wider so he could drive his Escalade from his house into the, into the golf course and never have to go on a road. <laughs> that, you know what? I, I just remember walking the fairways. We were just in a group together. Like, me and Jack have known each other for almost 10 years. And, like, two years ago, we are talking about, like, uh, Arnold Palmer or whatever, the king. Like, I mean, talk about nicknames that you want to have. Arnold Palmer is the king. When he passed away, um, I didn't. I thought I knew a lot about Ar- Arnold Palmer, and like when he passed away, I started hearing more stories. And Golf Channel came out with like Arnie's Army documentary and stuff. Um, for anyone that is a golf fan and um, doesn't know much about Arnold Palmer or like wants to hear the backstory, it is totally worth it. That guy is a pioneer in everything that golf is right now, and he grew the game to the point where it is, and it wouldn't be the same without him. But anyway, we're walking the fairway, and like. Taylor out of nowhere is like, oh, yeah, he's talking about a shot he played at Latrobe. I'm like, Latrobe, like Arnold Palmer's home course. He's like, yeah, I've played it before. And then Gibber comes out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, I've played it twice before, too. So um, two people out of my foursome have played like Latrobe, the golf course that I've like um, in the last couple of years since Arnie's passing that I've been just dying to play. Two of the four guys in my group are have played it before. So my goal is to get on there in the next five years. I hope us three can play it together and talk about it a little bit. But um, as far as Bay Hill's uh, golf tournament goes, I'll keep it very brief. To me, Bay Hill, in my head, is the Florida swing. Like, it's the prototypical uh, Florida golf course that you expect to play when you go down there. Like, if I, I haven't played golf in Florida before, but um, – if I go down there, that's the exact venue, exact layout that I want to play when it comes to playing Florida golf. Lots of water, um, demanding uh, ball striking, but the greens are also very fair. If you roll it well, you'll make a lot of putts. And year in, year out, we see um, guys that, are, that come into the tournament in form usually do very well. And it's like pretty much Tiger's backyard. I'm disappointed that he's not playing this week. Yeah, I, I echo that statement that he's not playing well. Obviously, they, you know, I said the back's still a bit tight, but... Do what you got to do, Tiger. You get to the point where let's put another green jacket on in uh, a few weeks' time here. But uh, okay. yeah, no, the the API huge event uh, for the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, you know, Arnie drive just absolutely created global golf and made it what it is. Um, going overseas, he was always making that trip. So, but 
Yeah, my, my most memorable moment, Tiger makes that putt on 18, that slider left to right, throws the hat down, goes and hugs Arnie after. Uh, I think everyone remembers that, but love that. But let's uh, let's jump right into the picks. Kari, let's go to you first. We're gonna, oh. And first, I'm going to preface this. We're going to change things up this week. We're getting a lot of people saying we're doing too many picks. It's taking too long. So this week and moving forward, we're going to pick one winner, one dark horse, and one guy we think is going to struggle. So, Kari, take it over. Okay. And I'm really disappointed in myself this week, fellas, because you know what? For the first time in Kari's history on a podcast, he's picking the favorite to win the event as my championne, and I'm picking Rory McIlroy. Um, you look at you look at Bay Hill, and you look at uh, the way the Roar, the history of how Rory's played at the event. You look at the history of winners. You look at the form Rory's coming into the event with. Um, to me, um, even if he puts marginally well, which I think he's done the most of the weeks, I think when it comes to Sunday, we're going to get a Rory round where he puts his pedal to. Uh, Sorry, his floor to the foot right away in the round, and he's going to drive that place into submission. Um, I won't discuss too much more. Rory is my pick favorite to win it um, because I think it's the writings on the wall as far as him notching another win in 2020, um, for 2020, I should say. My dark horse, um, and I think he's played extremely good golf. I don't know if he's flown under the radar or not, but uh, Maverick McNeely, uh, Stanford alum. Um, this guy um, actually... He debated becoming a touring professional when he came out of college because I believe his dad is like a CEO of like one of the biggest companies in North America. I don't know exactly the company, but this guy's coming from insane money. So he debated a life on the PGA Tour. I'm glad this talent, this talented of a guy decided to pursue his tour card and be a PGA Tour player. I think he would have made more taking over his dad's company. But so maybe he's taking a pay cut by becoming a PGA Tour player. But this guy's been on fire as of late. I, I don't know how many cuts he's made, but I want to say it's at least maybe nine, nine out of 11 on the wraparound year. And he's had a lot of good finishes on a lot of tough tracks. And I like him. I would say even as high as a top 15 this week. We looked at how deep the field is, and I think Maverick McNeely is going to be right there. Um, my struggling pick this week, and uh, I mean, I picked this within 30 seconds of scrolling through the leaderboard, but I had to go for him, and I apologize because I hope he wins the event, is Ricky Fowler. And I, uh, Ricky Fowler, um, just not in form right now. He's been struggling a little bit. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched enough golf where he hasn't been on enough coverage to know which part of the game he's struggling at. He is talented enough that I know he can go out and have a great week at Bay Hill and play really well because he's kind of like the modern day Arnold Palmer as far as the marketing side of things goes. So I hope he plays well. But uh, I hope he proves me wrong. But Ricky Fowler is going to struggle this week. Yeah. So I'll jump in here, Rick. So yeah, uh, Maverick McNeely's dad, Scott McNeely co-founded Sun Microsystems, which was bought by Oracle for $7.4 billion. <laughs> Dr. Evil? <laughs> yeah. See, like, I mean, I, I was just throwing out, like, I didn't throw out a number there because I wasn't even sure. But, like, I mean, that guy doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. Doesn't have to lift a finger. Trust fund. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that guy, who, he, he might win majors. He, he's just free freewheeling it out there, like, when, when your, no your dad's worth $7.4 billion and you make more in your trust fund interest <laughs> per second than anyone on that tour has made all year. Yeah, you're good to go. 
It's almost uh, the opposite when he's playing well. He's like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> you know, he's, he's losing money by playing well on the PGA Tour. <laughs> did you guys know that about him or did I just come no, up with that? No, that was a fun fact. I did not know that. Um, yeah. But yeah, $7.4 billion. Uh, but his dad sold the company in 2010. So I don't think he was uh, slated to, to take over the company. Um, but uh, yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. What I'd do with $7.4 billion. Um, but so I play PXG. Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Uh, I might buy PXG. Um, but uh, so my picks this week. I, I think there's a bit of a common theme here on who we think is going to win. I'm going with Roars. Yeah, Roars, Rory was my pick before he even said it. I I like him to win here. Uh, I think he, he he typically plays well at Bay Hill. Um, he's he's won it before, has he not? Roars has yes. Yeah, so I think yeah he's uh, Roars my pick here. My uh, my hot taker, my my sleeper pick, sticking with the Englishman, Ian Poulter. Oh, uh, you know what was really re- really refreshing actually skipping on the Ian Poulter? How international the leaderboard was at uh, PGA National. That Absolutely. was really cool. A lot of a lot of Englishmen up there, eh? Which is, yeah, I love seeing that little S- South Korean action. Okay, continue so, on. I actually so, looked at Poulter's name for an extended period of time when that's for one. So so I can I can pick Poulter when Tiger's not in the field because I just I can't pick him when Tiger's in the field because we know how they feel about each other. Uh, and then my pick to struggle this week. I'm going with uh, poor Mr. Sunjay M. I think he's going to have a bit of a struggling week. He, I, I don't think the momentum's going to be sticking with him. I think uh, the first win, he might have got under a couple wobbly pops. So I think yeah, he might guy, struggle. The guy probably week. doesn't drink beer, Jack. He's, he's actually only 21, which is crazy. Right. So 21, legal in the U.S. He was going out for a couple cervezas. He, he tied one on. He, yeah, after that win, he might have a weak, uh, weak bender here. Man, this guy does just does not play bad golf. Like you can't pick him as a guy that's going to struggle. You wait and see, baby. I will. And you know we're we're bringing this up on next episode for <laughs> sure. Because you, you know, you know, I am. Like we'll we'll make a thing of it. He's going to play well this week, and he's just I, one of those guys. He played thirty three times last year, Gabriel. Like this guy is just like automatic, man. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. He's not going to win. He's not going to miss the cut though. Let's we'll, we'll wait and see. I hope I hope I hope uh, we we do a little Instagram video. You putting your foot in your mouth? Okay, I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> well, we all know I'm a big proponent of momentum, uh, so I was actually <laughs> thinking of going back with Sung Jian, but I'm not. I'm going against my instincts this week, and okay. my pick to win it this week. I, I'm frustrated because you guys both picked them, but it's Rory. Oh man, three like that I know something right. I looked, I looked at Jack, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go somewhere different. Jack's like, no, I'm like, all right, I'll stick with him. So I'm going I, Rory I this you week. Guys were picking Rory. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I just, how can you not? Right, he's playing such good golf. McElroy, my pick, my dark horse this week is actually our beach chicken from this week, Matt Every. Oh, he's won here before. I was going to comment on that. He's won here before. I'm actually, you know what? I told myself not to write down notes because I flow better without notes. I actually forgot to say that about Matt Every when he's beach chicken. So I'm glad you said something. Yes, got to bring it up. I think he's going to have a great week. He's going to bounce back. And my struggle pick, um, thought about it for a really long time. This one took me a while, but Phil Mickelson. <laughs> did, you, did you see what he posted he was practicing with pelts and he's at, at pebble beach he's just trying to rip driver yeah. at one green his swing looks ridiculous when he's swinging uh, that home. like he can't balance 
That kills me. I, you know what? I forgot that I like talked over you and your like pick that's gonna struggle last week. Cause like I love that. Like you just go to the well. When you don't know what's going on, I'm going to the well. I'm gonna go with Phil's gonna struggle. You Phil's like courses for courses, man. You know where that guy's gonna play well, you know when he's he's not. And you know what? I kinda agree with you. I hate to say it. He's our uh, MC hammer this week. But there we go, fellas. Uh, anything else before we jump off here? No, that's it for me, folks. I do have something, and you guys aren't going to be able to sign off without your comment. And let me, sorry, let me jump on my phone. I, I'm sorry about the delay here. I actually need to, um, okay, I'm not going to be able to quote it. Uh, Paul Azinger comes on the broadcast on Sunday and talks about Fleetwood being able to win on the European Tour. And essentially, in some way, this is how I interpret it. I'm not saying everyone interpreted it like that said that winning on the European Tour is a lot different than the PGA Tour because it's inferior or that much inferior. It's a different game on the PGA Tour. Me, as a North American person, I couldn't disagree with this more. I was, like, repulsed by the fact that he said that. Um, and maybe when you're on the air, it's a little bit different. Now that I've I've done a little bit of the, the podcast, I kind of understand when you mess up saying something. But he, like, doubled down on it via co- on on coverage, like... Winning on the European Tour or winning any golf tournament in the world, um, whether you're a junior golfer, whether you're playing high amateur golf, whether you're playing in college, um, pro game, it's difficult to win events. And the fact that he discredited the second best tour in the world, yeah, sure, those guys have an ultimate goal of getting the PGA Tour. I think he's forgetting that Europe has absolutely thralled the United States in the last 20 years in the Ryder Cup. and. Those players that are playing on the European Ryder Cup team need to have European Tour status and they play a minimum of, I want to say, sorry, don't quote me, eight to ten times. Um, Those fields are deep. Um, Some of those events, I'd rather be playing on the European Tour than the PGA Tour given a certain week. Um, The fact that Paul Azinger came out and said that, um, I thought it was offside. Maybe not offside, but he couldn't be more wrong. And uh, I'm interested to hear your opinions on it. Yeah, you know what? I I didn't take it as harshly as I think you did. I think more of what he was trying to get to is that it's different to win on the European Tour than it is the PGA Tour. I'm not saying that it's inferior, although there are better players on the PGA Tour for sure. I just think it's different when when you haven't won on the PGA Tour, and especially for Tommy Fleetwood, who he was talking about this week. It's difficult because that's in the back of his mind a little bit. And I think all he was saying is, you know, he's he's won before, but I think if you haven't won on the PGA Tour, much like if you've won on the PGA Tour a bunch but haven't won a major, it's just kind of always in the back of your head. Um, that's kind of my take. I, I don't, not necessarily that it's, you know, as hot as Azinger. I just think I understand where he was going with it, and maybe he didn't say it right. Yeah, for, for me, I didn't hear the comments. That's the first I've heard it. Um, but I always look at winning a golf tournament is is a whole like an entirely different task than than a lot of things you have to have game to close a golf tournament i don't care if it's the pga tour i don't care if it's corn fair tour i don't care you're, if it's you're tour, repeating me or the, yeah exactly or the challenge tour you need to have the game to finish and i think any given person who wins on the european tour or the corn fair tour can step right in and win on the pga tour golf's a game about being hot and it's, you know, the the fine line, you know, you look at the PGA Tour, the top 125 uh, or that, you know, however many are, on, have, are exempt to play in the PGA Tour. They've done a good job to stay in contention there. But I, I tell you what, you know, the, the people hovering around, you know, between 130 and, you know, 120, if they're struggling to make cuts on the PGA Tour, 
they're going to struggle to make cuts on the Corn Ferry Tour, and they're going to struggle to make cuts on the European Tour at the same time. Golf's game of will be in hot. I will slightly disagree with that, just because I think you know when you have that status of being on the PGA Tour, when you drop down to the Corn Ferry Tour or something, I think you take that status with you, and it's it's kind of like. In hockey, you're not great in the NHL, but you drop down to the AHL and you're a first liner. Like I think for those guys, it's almost like a confidence builder where they look and they're like, "Well, I'm a PGA Tour player. I should be." It, it just it steps them up a little bit. So that's where I will slightly disagree with that. I'm gonna slightly disagree again. I think everyone <laughs> disagreed. You can't disagree with his disagreements. No, but what I'm gonna say with the, with you know the people kind of bouncing on that the bubble. It's uh, they. It's kind of the same thing as the, the the top fifty that get to play in the WGCs. Sometimes it's hard to play your way out of the out of the top fifty because you get so many points for being in the top fifty, uh, and you get these exemptions and you get to play in these events and you're constantly building points, whether or not you're making cuts or not. But I can say I'm back to you, Rex. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's uh, there's no discredit to anyone winning on the the Euro Tour. It's to close a golf tournament takes takes the most skill in the world of that week and i, I think it's uh, the gazinger's comments were a bit out of line cool that's all i wanted i wanted to see you guys discuss it i will hold up back on my opinion for a little bit but uh you guys kind of got an idea of how i felt about it <laughs> i disagree to disagree <laughs> 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 I choose I not to choose. Yeah. <laughs> We're dropping the gloves here live. Um, <laughs> but that's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, be sure you subscribe to the podcast. Like, share this out with a friend who you feel like would really enjoy this. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, go to iTunes. Drop us a little five-star, four-star, three-star review, your comments. We'd love to hear it. It really helps the show grow. And if you want to send in questions or segment ideas, you can always do that at sundayredpodcast at gmail.com. But with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, everyone, we're signing off. And always remember to keep swinging.